This is the On the Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 40 of the On the Banks podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11. And, of course, you can follow On the Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, such as episode 35 with Anthony Ashnault and Nick Suriano, episode 31 with Jerry Carino, episode 20 with Todd Frazier, or any other, you can find them on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks Podcast. You can find them on SoundCloud. Just search OTB underscore SB Nation. And of course, you can find all of our episodes at onthebanks.com. So I know I start each and every podcast talking about, oh, we're almost done with winter sports. We're almost done with fall. We're almost done with spring. Well, unfortunately, this is kind of our first and now 40 episodes emergency podcast. Now, we brought this emergency podcast together because of the recent news that Rutgers captain and arguably the best player on the team, Eugenio Marui, earlier today announced that he is transferring and leaving the program, deciding to sit for one year and then play two years from now, as opposed to playing his senior year in the upcoming season. So to break it all down, what it means for the team, what it means for Eugene, and what it means for Rutgers basketball going forward, I am pleased to be joined, of course, by the managing editor of On the Banks, Aaron Brightman. Aaron, thank you uh, so much for coming on, for joining me. And, you know, we were talking about it before we started, but uh, a whirlwind of a day, a shocking day nonetheless, a day none of us really saw coming, and a, a big test of adversity uh, for this Rutgers men's basketball program. Thanks for having me again, Lance, and uh, well said for sure. Uh, one of the strangest days, one of the strangest 24 hours I can ever remember uh, in Rutgers basketball history, is, as long as I've followed, um, to have, you know, unquestionable uh, best player on the team, team captain, you know, Peichel's guy, you know, that he, he brought in uh, just a few months after he took over the program. Um, you know, it just shows how stunning this uh, decision and, and announcement was uh, for the fact that, you know, at this time yesterday, uh, Tuesday, uh, late afternoon, about five o'clock, Rutgers formally announced that they were playing the game next season uh, in Toronto. Uh, Eugene Omaroi is about uh, grew up eight miles away uh, outside of Toronto. And uh, uh, Paykel even cited Omaroi as the reason for wanting to play there so his friends and family could see him play uh, in person. So for that to, to come out at 5 p.m. on Tuesday and then approximately midnight, uh, Omaroi going on social media to announce his departure is uh, without a doubt stunning shocking news and uh to see everyone's reactions this morning as uh, everyone woke and saw what was going on it was um quite a day for sure and let's kind of recap exactly what happened today um of course on wednesday so omarui early this morning sometime between 12 and 1 a.m went onto instagram and put out a note that has become uh, has become so common for athletes these days, saying that he appreciates what Coach Pike and the staff has done for him these last three years, but that he is going to sit out uh, and eventually play his senior season two seasons from now 
um, elsewhere. And, you know, like you said, obviously, Rutgers made the announcement yesterday on Tuesday that they were going to be playing St. Bonaventure in Toronto in order to allow Eugene to play in his hometown, right near his hometown of Rexdale. And in fact, to read from the release, uh, Rutgers on Tuesday said, we look forward to bringing the Rutgers brand north where our where our senior team captain, Eugene Omarui, will compete before his family and hometown crowd. Now, Eugene did mention that he spoke to Peichel on Tuesday night, informing him uh, of his transfer. Um, there were reports that Peichel then went down to Canada, or excuse me, went up to Canada to try and uh, figure out what was in Eugene's head to try to maybe convince Eugene to to stay. But ultimately, Eugene Omarui decided to continue on with his transfer and now looks for another program. Eugene last season uh, obviously averaged almost 14 points per game. You know. Average seven rebounds per game. We all know what he did on the defensive end with all of his, uh, with all the charges that he takes. And of course, we know what he means uh, to this team uh, with his grit and his toughness and his heart. We've seen him deal with multiple injuries the last two seasons, yet he is one of the fastest healers I think any of us have ever seen. And he, he came back and his return uh, clearly helped boost the Scarlet Knights both two years ago and, of course, last year. So now let's kind of, I want to start, Aaron, by looking at what our initial reactions were. I get up for work bright and early at 6.30 in the morning, and I wake up and I look at my phone always. And the first thing I see on my phone was a text um, from a friend of mine saying, what the hell? And that can mean a plethora of things, let's be real. Um, you know, I'm 23 years old. What the hell can mean uh, something sports-related? It can mean something life-related. Who knows? But I wake up, and I see what the hell. So what's my first thing? What's my first instinct? I go on Twitter. I go on Twitter, and I see, be it us, James Cratch, Jerry Carino, Keith Sargent, everyone that covers Rutgers basketball and New Jersey basketball tweeting about Eugene Omarui transferring. And I think not only myself, but all of us, we were taken back. I had no idea what was going on. There was talk that potentially he was hacked, considering Peichel's name was spelled wrong. Um, it happened at 1 a.m. Why would something like this arise uh, at such an early hour in the morning? Um, and I was hoping that it was a hack. I, I was trying to convince myself that, look, someone got into his account. We were going to see a tweet, you know, in a couple hours saying, oh, I'm staying at Rutgers. Don't believe everything you read or something like that. But nonetheless, it comes out that it was confirmed. It comes out later uh, today that Steve Peichel uh, releases a couple comments, makes it known that, yes, Eugenio Marui is transferring the, from the program. And I'm upset disappointed but at the end of the day all this does for me i think while rutgers is losing its most valuable player its heart and soul and its leader it's a next man up a philosophy that steve peichel has had and it's now on the players that remain on this rutgers roster to replace the production that eugenio marui was bringing and to help lead this team into a new era because expectations are still there. And even though Eugene is gone, um, people are still expecting better results from this coming season. Absolutely. I think there's there's a lot to chew on here. I think, um, first off, in terms of the shock and how uh, he made the announcement, I think it's fair to say, you know, it was definitely, uh, it seems out of character uh, for how he has conducted himself and uh, represented himself and the program throughout the last three years. I think that 
you know, uh, it's it's also fair to say it's kind of disappointing. And you know, if if you are going to make this announcement, it's a little bit more stand up to do so um, during the day. Uh, you know, to do it in in, in the, the darkness of night and uh, kind of have the statement be a little written haphazardly. Um, you know, it d- definitely caused confusion. You know, which I think is unfortunate too, um, both for him and his reputation, and also just in terms of everyone how they. I, I I think the positive is that it showed how much people care about the program right now because it it really created a stir. Um, you know, and and I would say I had a dilemma because you know I wake up at. Uh, pretty early in the morning and the first thing I saw was that and you know how do I do I cover this do I not is it real is it not um but you know I I I did report on it and um was able to confirm early in the morning that in fact um he did uh you know confirm to Michael the night before that he had intentions to leave so um you know, that, that was, uh, again, I think we all kind of hoped, hey, maybe this is fake. You know, I don't uh, ever wish that something I first report on ends up being proven false. But I, in a way, I, I was hoping. Um, and uh, obviously that, that that was not the case. So I think um, that was a bit stunning. And, yeah, I think uh, Paykel releasing that statement this afternoon really makes it kind of official in my mind. I mean, obviously, I, he, it was confirmed he did go to see him today. And I think issuing that statement late in the day shows that, you know, he, he's he, it was the right thing to do, it was the classic thing to do, but I think it also points to the fact that he is going to exit the program. I, I Listen, I understand people are upset, and uh, I think at the same time, you know, it's, it's it, he's, he's meant so much to the program the last three years. It's, um, you know, you don't have to agree with this decision, but I think, you know, it, it, it's the right thing to, to respect his decision. Again, I, I don't agree with it. I don't fully understand it but i think at the same time you know we're, we're not walking in his shoes and at the end of the day if he thinks this is what's best for him i think it's it's you know we need to respect it Let, let's compare this shall i say to um transfers that happened before and you know we've talked about so far how this program is in a much better position to deal with this now than it would have been let's say first year under steve peichel um, or had it had this happened, um, obviously in a previous administration like Mike Rice or Eddie Jordan, which obviously it did. The more recent history, obviously Eddie Jordan, um, you had players like Junior E2, uh, players like DJ Foreman, um, you had a guy like Eli Carter um, uh, for Mike Rice, um, obviously Mike Rosario um, as well. Uh, but I think looking at this compared to at least those more recent transfers that I've mentioned. This is more surprising than all of them because those coaches, a guy like Fred Hill, a guy like Mike Rice, a guy like Eddie Jordan, you know, Mike Rice was obviously dealing with that unfortunate uh, situation that he put himself in. Um, There wasn't much progress with Fred Hill. There obviously wasn't much progress with Eddie Jordan. So the light wasn't really there at the end of the tunnel. So it makes sense for those transfers to happen. You know, these guys, it wasn't shocking that they were leaving. It was upsetting, sure, disappointing maybe, but it wasn't really shocking. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, and we have, as Rutgers fans, big expectations for this team going forward, not only this year, but obviously years to come. So the fact that there are expectations, this is a team that is expected to be much improved, a team that a lot of people thought could even compete for an NCAA tournament, just makes this that much more surprising that, you know, this isn't a team that's expected to win 9-10 games next year. This is a team that a lot of people think, you know, could make noise in the Big Ten, could potentially finish in the top seven of the Big Ten in the top half. This is a team that, you know, many people think could finish over 500, could 
get into the NIT, could get into the NCAA tournament. So the fact that Eugenio Marui decided to leave a program that is clearly progressing, clearly improving, just makes it that much worse compared to a Rosario or a Free or a Foreman or an E2 or an Eli Carter. It just makes it that much more upsetting that the light at the end of the tunnel is there, yet the best player on the team decides to go elsewhere. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I think, um, you know, going back a bit farther, uh, as I'm dating myself once again, but uh, going back, you know, uh, to the Kevin Bannon era, you know, a huge uh, name and arguably the most famous, or uh, as I've put it uh, in writing before, infamous transfer uh, in Rutgers history was Dante Jones, uh, who was a star for two years and then uh, transferred to Duke. Uh, to join his uh, high school, uh, his best friend, um, Jay Williams, and played a really big role at Duke uh, for two years. Um, that definitely had a major impact on Kevin Bannon's tenure. Obviously, he made his own mistakes as well that ultimately sunk him. Um, but uh, in terms of Dante Jones leaving, that was a stunner in a sense that, you know, he was the, the biggest recruit uh, that Rutgers had gotten in a long time and was really the key for, for Bannon in terms of uh, getting Jones to come and uh, in terms of recruiting locally. So that was a, that was a big impact. Um, and definitely hurt the program and, and his tenure. Then when that tenure ended, Todd Bellett, brother of Jeff, uh, left with the coaching regime change when Gary Waters came in. Um, and a big reason there was that he did not retain his brother, Jeff, who was a great Rutgers player in his own right. Um, and he was an assistant coach at the time, was not retained. And Todd ended up going to, to UVA, to Virginia. Um, you know, going back to, to a little bit of Bannon era, lesser known players, but key role players. Um, you know, back when I was in school in the late 90s, uh, you had Earl Johnson, you had Luis Flores, and even uh, for those of you who remember the seven footer Josh Sanks. You know, all the, the big joke for Rutgers fans back then was every transfer that left Rutgers ended up going to a program and helped them go to the NCAA tournament. Luis Flores ended up leading the country in scoring at Manhattan. Uh, and led them to the NCAA tournament. Earl Johnson led Iona to the NCAA tournament. Josh Sanks helped Buffalo to the NCAA tournament. You know, Todd Billy goes to UVA. Dante Jones goes to Duke. So it was constantly in that era of these players going to, to greener pastures and succeeding. So that was very frustrating then. Then you move on to Fred Hill, Mike Rosario, first big, you know, recruit, uh, the, or the first McDonald's All-American in program history. Um, you know, his, his, his two years at Rutgers was, was a, a bit of a roller coaster, um, you know, and, and Fred Hill really put him on a pedestal, but uh, um, they did not necessarily have the best relationship. So him leaving was not a shock, like you kind of said. Um, he goes on to Florida, ends up having a very good senior year and helps a very good Florida team um, advance pretty far into the NCAA tournament. So, again, that was frustrating to see. Um, and, yeah, the Eli Carter, also Jerome Seegers, they left uh, during the Rice era, at the end of the Rice era. Um, so th there have been uh, a lot of transfers through the years. So I think what's interesting is that, you know, if you look at the failed Bannon era, you can tie it to his best player, partly Dante Jones leaving. You know, then you look at Hill, you know, and he didn't succeed with Rosario, his best player. Um, you know, uh, the difference with, with Rutgers when, when Carter and Seegers left is that Rice really undid himself with his own behavior because Mac, uh, Miles Mack and Kadeem Jack uh, were arguably, the t not even arguably, unquestionably the two best players on the team. Um, and they did stay for Eddie Jordan, which was key. But, uh, yeah, the, I think what's interesting here is that Omar Rory, 
is the best player. And like you said, on the most, you know, going into the most hopeful uh, off season in, in, in years uh, for the program. So I think that that quality makes it stunning. I think also the fact that, um, you know, he, he was in line to, uh, I mean, he's by far the best post player on the team. Um, you know, he, he brings something to the table that, that no one else on the roster does. Um, and, and, and I think even more so is that his, his presumed relationship with Michael was very strong. And, and I, I still think it was as of yesterday. Um, but I think the fact that Michael had such a good relationship with, with Omarui, the fact that he has, has really, you know, developed under this coaching staff really, really makes this, um, like you said, extremely stunning. And, you know, it's interesting. So we, on our Twitter page, the On The Banks uh, Twitter page, OTB underscore SB Nation, we put out a Twitter poll that got about 500 votes. So thank you, everyone, to obviously who vo- uh, thank you, everyone who voted. Uh, and that was, um, is Eugenio Marie the most shocking transfer in Rutgers basketball history? And I think that kind of, uh, I think the results kind of point to what we were saying, 83% uh, said yes, that he is the most shocking transfer, and 17% um, said no. And of course, you know, some people mentioned uh, um, Billet, uh, Rosario was mentioned as well. We even saw a Jonathan Laurent mention, um, although I don't know how uh, shocking he was considering he ended up uh, having his minutes uh, very much reduced under Peichel in that first year. Um, but a couple of different names. The word we used in that poll question was, of course, shocking. And I think just how it happened was the shocking aspect of it. Like we talked about before at the beginning, this wasn't a middle-of-the-day noon announcement, a 5 p.m. announcement, nothing like that. This was a 12.30 in the morning announcement um, on Twitter, uh, posted. Uh, excuse me, on Instagram, um, a note in which he not only posted so late but spelled Steve Peichel's name wrong. I would say cryptic, although there weren't really any cryptic messages hidden into it. It was just the message overall was very... Un Eugene Omarui like it wasn't anything any of us kind of expected, so that's what made it show, uh, so shocking. Is that it came out of nowhere, totally unexpected, at the most random hours of the night. That when everyone woke up and first reacted to it, you know, it just it brought just a wow! I can't believe this is happening. It brought a is it a hack? Kind of brought with it a sense of this can't be happening again. Yes, that famous uh, Yogi Berra saying, uh, "Deja vu all over again," and uh, that's how that's how I felt. Um, you know, you get that familiar pit in your stomach, um, and uh, I mean, people were stunned. It, it just shows, you know, like uh, when I uh, tweeted uh, the report, you know, Jer- Jerry Recco, the radio basketball announcer, wrote me, you know, publicly and said he, he can't believe it that he just he doesn't think it's true and 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 not that it was, you know, negative towards myself at all, but he just could not believe it. And I said, uh, I wrote back and I said, yeah, I said, uh, I agree and I hope it's not true, but for Rutgers fans, you know, this is par for the course. And uh, nothing really surprises us anymore. And like you said, you put it perfectly. I mean, you get right, everything's in place, everything's in line, and then boom, the the carpet uh, gets pulled out from under us. And I think that, you know, really... um, resonated with a lot of Rutgers fans today. I think that's where you saw kind of, you know, I don't know if you want to call it panic, but just a little bit of hysteria, especially, like you said, with the conditions of how the announcement came. It was like, oh, my God, here we go again. And, uh, you know, I think that Steve Peichel, uh, as head coach, has given a lot of hope to a lot of fans. And I think that this was our first kind of, wait, what's going on moment? Uh, Why is this happening? And we thought we were past this. And, 
and here we go again. So I think um, uh, that was definitely notable. A couple other things I just wanted to point out real quick. Um, you know, I would be fail to, to mention when we go back to all transfers. Also, after Rosario, you had Gregory Eshenique, who was a, a very good forward, who ended up going to St. Louis and led them to NCAA tournament twice as well. So um, he's a notable uh, transfer also. Um, going into Omori, two, two statistical things that stick out to me that we don't normally talk about that are going to be missed. He was second on the team in assists uh, behind Geo Baker. He averaged two and a half assists a game, and he attempted the most free throws on the team and shot 71% for the year, which was a huge improvement from his sophomore year when he shot around 50%. So I think this is a good segue for us to kind of talk about how, how are they going to move forward and replace him. Yeah, and I was going to get exactly into that. Now, Eugenio Marie obviously played the four um, would shoot a three here and there, but was obviously not a three-point shooter, um, could get to the free throw line, could really uh, body big men down low, and at times really have his way on the offensive side. I think this puts an emphasis on two players. One of them is obviously grad transfer Akwasi Yaboa, uh, coming over from Stony Brook. You look at the measurables with Eugene, they're you know very similar in, in, in size. Um, different kinds of players Eugene was more of an inside presence than Yeboah um, is but you'd think that Yeboah would slot into that spot the other player that obviously as I mentioned before uh, you know needs to rise up and kind of did at the end of the year is Ron Harper Jr. You know, Ron Harper Jr. is a, is a wing, obviously a freshman last year who clearly grew as the season went on. And that was highlighted in that great Iowa game that he had on the road at, Hawk, uh, at Carver Hawkeye Arena. It's going to be up to them to, I believe, at least at the beginning, unless other people rise up, it's going to be up to them to, to kind of fill that spot. Shaq Carter's also in the mix. Um, Rutgers, I believe is going to try at least at times to go a little bit, a little bit smaller now without Eugene down low because of not only that, but because the amount of guards that they obviously have uh, to work with as well. It's going to be on Yaboa and it's going to be on Harper Jr. to kind of fill that void that's now left there with Eugene Marie deciding to leave. Completely agree. Um, it definitely gives them a little bit of a look, I think, a uh, different look. Um, you know, we've spoken about it uh, even on our last podcast and reviewing the year. You know, we anticipate that they are going to play a more up-tempo style next year with the roster, the way it's uh, constituted, even without Omarui. You know, there, there's a lot of options um, and for Steve Peichel to, to change his rotations and lineups and different combinations. Um, they definitely have the ability to play smaller. I think that, you know, this just will play in more to their ability to press more often um, and play an up-tempo style and, and, and push, push more in transition as well. Um, with the guard, the backcourt that they're going to have now. And yeah, I think you play, you know, Yeboah, I, I think one misconception which I wrote about today is that, you know, people think it's kind of a, a clone of Omoruri. And uh, although physically they're, they're very similar and statistically, um, they've been pretty similar throughout their careers. Uh, their, their games are definitely different. You know, Yeboah is more of an outside-in type player. He likes playing from the perimeter. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote about a stat, um, you know, 50% of Omaroyi's shots came out the rim last season, where the Yeboah was only about 28%, and that was poor hoop math, uh, a really great sight. Um, and uh, Yeboah shot a lot from three-point range. So I think with Harper and Yeboah playing the four more often, um, you're going to have a more perimeter-oriented team. 
And uh, I think, you know, with guys like Jacob Young and, and Mulcahy, um, that's going to really be an interesting and dangerous team in the sense of guys are going to get open looks. And I think uh, it really is going to come down to their ability to make shots. So before we kind of wrap up and discuss what expectations should be now without Eugenio Marie, I quickly want to touch on leadership really quick. Obviously, with Eugene leaving, the unquestioned leader of this team, and even if Eugene was here, he still would have been, you know, one of the two leaders and probably captains of this team along with Eugene, is, is Geo Baker. Now, you wonder if, assuming Geo is obviously going to be a captain, if Peichel's going to go with one captain and just making Geo it, or if he's going to choose a, a second one. Now, a couple candidates, obviously, you know, Miles Johnson, while only a sophomore, he is technically in his third year. Jacob Young, a guy who obviously had to sit out last year, um, but, you know, he obviously has NCAA tournament experience. Akwasi Yaboa, um, a graduate transfer, um, the oldest uh, player on the roster. Who's going to fill, in your opinion, who do you think will fill that leadership role or help fill that leadership role alongside Geo Baker? Because, you know, Eugenio Murray put up great stats, but I think the best trait that he had was of was his leadership and his toughness and his grit. And I think that's going to really be the hardest for Steve Peichel and this team to replace. Very good point. I think uh, I think two names that you mentioned to me are intriguing, and I think uh, for me are, are guys that I, I would think are, are candidates to step up is definitely Jacob Young. You know, even though he did sit out last year, you know, people were commenting. You know, at games you saw him; he was very active on the bench. He was very active talking to players. Um, I know in practice, you know, players loved him. He was very competitive, um, and he was, you know, he was coaching up the young guys in practice every day too. Like you said, he has real experience in the state tournament. You know, he played for a big, t- big time program at Texas. Um, I, th- I think definitely he has the potential to fill that void. Whether he's named captain or not, I think he'll be instrumental in the leadership. And I, I, w- I wouldn't rule out. Uh, Yeboah either. I think he's a very experienced player. He obviously knows uh, Peichel and and how he wants to play and um, Peichel has a lot of trust with him already. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he integrates with the rest of the guys. I think, you know, we already saw it um, on social media this morning, you know, soon after the reaction started rolling in, you uh, uh, Miles Johnson posted that he was working out with Yeboah at the rack, you know, and they were putting work in. So I think that was an interesting statement and a positive one. And I think, you know, the guys that are there, I, th- I, I think the other interesting uh, benefit potentially for this is that the younger guys, you know, this is going to really give them more urgency to step up and uh, fill that void, both, you know, in terms of, it, I think it's probably a little bit of a growing up moment for them, um, you know, to see Omarori step away. Um, you know, they've lost Jay Young this offseason, so it certainly have dealt with some adversity, and I think that um, it could end up being a positive in terms of creating some more urgency this offseason for them to really develop uh, both, you know, on the court, but also just in terms of how they approach the game, how they work, and how they're uh, poised together as a team heading into next season. But uh, but I would put my money on I would put my money on Jacob Young being the second captain, um, but whether he is or not, I think he'll play a big leadership role. I think Yeboa will as well. And so let's get to kind of like the final topic of this, you know, Eugene Marie transfer reaction episode of the On the Banks podcast, and that's expectations. You know, we talked about it at the beginning, but this team, there's no going around it, had expectations of at least having a winning season next year. There was belief that they very well should compete and basically get into the NIT at worst. And people even had expectations that if everything broke right or most things broke right, that this team could make a push for the NCAA tournament. 
Well, now, like we've been saying, the best player is leaving on the floor. Really, the heart and soul of the team um, is leaving. Uh, He's deciding to transfer. What does that do for expectations? I think it lowers them, but not as much as, um, you know, I may have thought right when I read this news. This team, as we've been saying, is much better prepared to deal with an a a uh, to deal with adversity like this than really any Rutgers team in the last I feel like at least ten years. This team has depth. Um, they have young players who stepped up last year and are expected to take the next step this year. And I think now bringing over a Kwasi Eboa um, is is a huge move. Yeah, f- first off on the roster, uh, there's there are two open scholarships for next season. There's eleven scholarship players on the roster right now. Um, but, you know, one concern that, that obviously uh, is fair to have right now is, you know, I think a big part of why they kind of fell apart at the end of last season, those last three games, they were really down in nine scholarship players because you had Jacob Young sitting out, you had Mamadou Dekor, who was out most of the season, um, and then Issa Cham had been dismissed uh, that last regular season week as well, and there was an open roster spot. So they were down to nine guys, you know, uh, Baker was exhausted, uh, Omarori was hobbled, the freshman hit the wall. So all those things happen. So you can never have enough depth uh, in college basketball, especially in the Big Ten. It's such a gauntlet a grind throughout the season. Now there's games. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, they definitely need to add somebody. I'm not optimistic they're, they're going to be able to land a, a, a you know, significant impact player for next season at this stage of the game. But, you know, Michael has pulled some things out of his hat before late in the game and their recruiting cycle. Um, or being one example, C.J. Geddes, um, you know, he's, he's gotten Caleb McConnell and Miles Johnson late in the recruiting cycle in the past. Um, you know, there's not a lot of great guys on the board still. Uh, Hassan Ward was a, a big man, very intriguing big man that they were in late uh, the last month, but he's recently committed to VCU, so he's off the board. Um, so I think most likely, you know, you're looking at another grad transfer or a Juco player, um, hopefully someone that can contribute right away. Obviously, uh, unlikely to be a star, but if someone that they get even get someone you know especially in the front court 10 to 15 minutes a game play defense and rebounds um that's going to be huge so that'll be something to watch but i agree in terms of expectations the ceiling is definitely lower but uh it's 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 not dramatically i think that and, and that's for me the biggest difference if you look historically the last three decades you know it was normally when, when the player level Murray left it was bloom and doom um, and there was very little hope. And I think this could be a, a galvanizing moment, um, not only uh, for the young core of players in the team, but in the Pico era. I think that how they respond to the, from this um, and how they how they perform next season could go a long way in um, paving, paving the road for success uh, and even more so down the road in, in Pico's tenure. And I think that, yeah, I think a winning record ha- – they need to get. They need to have a winning record. I think Pico's fourth season. Um, you know, he's got that young core established. It, that's that still should be the goal, and I think uh, will be the goal. And I think yeah, an NIT birth would be amazing. You know, listen, it's the Big Ten. Every every team suffers losses in the off season. Whether they have players unexpectedly go pro. Uh, players unexpectedly transfer, you know, injuries happen. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, we, we can't, you know, uh, bemoan the fact that, oh, you know, this happened. I mean, it, it happens to every team and it's how this team will respond and as a program. And um, I think that they're well positioned to do that. So I, I think, yeah, there's still a lot of hope for next season. I think that's a key difference in years past with, with Rutgers and in a, in a, you know, a uh, piece of news like this. 
Brady leaving. So I think that that's key. But there still can be a dangerous team. I think, you know, the Big Ten is, is definitely experiencing a lot of turnover um, going into next season in terms of players. And also, you know, listen, you have, you know, Michigan's losing Beeline, who is uh, and Rutgers is in place next season. There's a lot of players on that roster, too. I'm by no means saying that that's going to be an easy game by any stretch. But, you know, it, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting year next year across the league. You have teams like Illinois rising. Um, you know, you have teams like Northwestern that are uh, not a lot back to the table. You have a team like Nebraska with a new coach in Fred Hoiberg. So it's going to be a very different league. Um, a lot of seniors that were stars have left. So it's in my mind, it's still wide open. And I think um, it just makes uh, next season even more interesting from, from one view because, uh, like I said, I think that how they play is going to be uh, even more different in years past. And I think that they have the ability to succeed in a different style and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch this team respond look it was surprising it was shocking really stunning to wake up this morning um on Tuesday uh, excuse me on Wednesday and see the news that Eugene O'Marie Rutgers leader a captain arguably the best player on the team is transferring going into his senior year deciding to now sit out a year and then play two years down the road but the fact is you know now that Steve Peichel has released a response and it's kind of, you know, official now. Uh, there's no going back from it. And I think the thing Rutgers fans can't do now is they can't sit on the past. They need to look f- uh, towards the future. That's what we've done this entire Steve Peichel era. And it, I think it's benefited. We've seen progress year in and year out. And while Eugenio Marui will not be on the team next year, there is still no reason to believe that there won't be progress. You know, this team is expected, as we've said, to go over 500. This team is expected to, you know, compete potentially to get to a postseason uh, tournament, be it an NIT, an NCAA tournament, whatever it might be. This team still has expectations on it. Like Aaron said, is the ceiling as high as it was with Eugenio Marui? No, but that ceiling is still higher than it's been in a long time. And I think Rutgers fans really need to embrace that. There's still leadership on this team. This team is still young. And this team still has some up-and-coming players that I think now can really make a difference, a much bigger difference than they would have made if Eugene O'Marie is on the roster. Obviously, you hate to lose a player like Eugene, but the fact is he's gone now. There's no reason to dwell on it. You just got to look towards the future and stay excited for what this season is going to bring because with Eugene O'Marie or without Eugene O'Marie, I still think this season is going to be a blast. This team still has a lot of potential. This team still has much more talent, and this team is a lot is in a much better position to deal with adversity like this than they really have been in probably the last decade. So I think that's the positives we can take out of this and the fact that, like I said, with Eugene or without Eugene, this team is still going to be a lot of fun to watch next year, and this team still has those high expectations that they haven't faced in a long time. Totally agree, and uh, just quickly, last point, Paul Mulcahy, the Paul Mulcahy era is about to begin, and I think that he could very quickly... Rutgers fans should fall in love with them very quickly and uh, certainly not forget, you know, players like Omarori, but I think at the same time, you know, push the push the future forward. Michael's been looking for his floor leader, uh, you know, of the future for, for since he's arrived. He's finally here, and I think uh, he's going to be such an exciting player to watch and really change the, the whole uh, dynamic of, of the team uh, in a big positive way. So in, in that sense, you know, his time has come even sooner because there's a void to fill, too. Um, and I think, listen, surprisingly, you know, as a freshman, he can provide some leadership, too. So I'm really excited to see what he can do on the floor and how he impacts his team. And I think, uh, you know, hey, it's like I said, it's par for the course for Rutgers fans. 
we've been through it before. Uh, we're a proud uh, fan base, and I think that you know we'll get through this. And I think the shock of it, once it subsides a little bit, um, at the end of the day, um, you know, and Pike will be trust. And uh, let's, uh, you know, let's. I can't wait for the fall to get here. They say that at times of adversity, people rise up. This is a perfect opportunity for the players still on this roster, the players that were going to play big roles anyway, to rise up and to fill the void that Eugenio Marui um, and his departure is now leaving. There's, you know, opportunities for leadership. There's opportunities for touches. There's opportunities for minutes. Who is going to rise up and take advantage? You assume it's going to be someone, maybe it's multiple people. Hopefully everyone on the team kind of rallies around this adversity and allows this Rutgers basketball team not to sit and dwell on what's happened, but to progress more and more in the future. And as we've said, to make the 2019-2020 season a very fun one here on the Banks. Follow On the Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On the Banks Podcast.